Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cult I Left Behind podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Briggs, and I'm here to tell you my stories of growing up in the IBLP cult, which you might know from the Duggar family. And I'm your other host, Kyle Briggs. I'm Amanda's husband, and I have not heard most of these stories before. So stay tuned, and we'll all get traumatized together. Welcome back to the next episode. Um, we're going to switch it up a little bit this time. Uh, Amanda and I were watching Shiny Happy People last night. For the second time, because this- one round of trauma is obviously <laughs> not enough. Yeah, so uh, we were taking notes separately. Um, so we're going to kind of review the show. We only watched episode one and two. We'll, we'll get the other two episodes uh, well, there are four night. episodes total, and we'll do one podcast episode per documentary episode yep. to review it. Yep. So we're just going to – I'm going to ask her some questions. She's got some notes about things she saw. Pages. <laughs> pages of – we do have pages of notes. <laughs> so I'm going to ask her questions Buckle about up. things I'm curious about, um, and she's got some notes on things she saw or things that triggered – her uh or triggered some memories so we're going to discuss those so we're kind of start at the beginning and try to work through this from the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode but if you haven't watched the show uh, maybe pause it and go watch it real quick or or finish this episode and then you can watch it and have all sorts of insights (laughs) yeah then you can see what was what was actually happening there uh behind the scenes so with that being said um can we do a little housekeeping? Sure. So just so you all know, we are still finessing our audio equipment and setup. So thanks for bearing with us on that. We will continue to perfect it and try to give you the highest quality audio we can. And what we're drinking. I went oh. back to just like old school, truly margarita. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I got so a- an easy day. I got a cider from the UK uh, called Samuel Smith's. I don't know. And it's organic. It is organic. Uh, it is pretty tasty. It's fall now, so I got something a little a little more fruity out instead of the usual mixed drink. So one of the things right at the beginning of the episode, I forget who said it, but someone mentioned... Why is Jim Bob on TV? Oh, the cousin. The cousin mentioned, like, why is Jim Bob on TV when they don't believe in TV? They don't believe in TV. Oh, yeah. You couldn't watch TV in the cult. And I just laughed. Okay, so y'all need to know. This is how Amanda watches shiny, happy people. Number one, lots of four-letter words. Number two, lots of... As I remember everything that was also my childhood. So it's not like a laugh. It's more like a grimace mixed with a laugh. And uh, number three, lots of looking over at Kyle like, why? And also how? And also for what purpose? But yeah, that, that hypocrisy was very normal in the cult. Like, well, we can't do this unless it's for ministry, which was Jim Bob's response to his niece. Like, well, I don't believe in, in TV, but this is ministry and ministry trumps everything. We can break the rules as long as it's for ministry. Yep. 
I guess going off of that, uh, a question I had was, since they didn't have TV and radio, it sounds like, um, is that something you guys had? <laughs> All right. So we had a TV, but we used it to watch approved portions of the Olympics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> approved portions of the Rose Bowl parade mm-hmm. for New Year's. Probably like presidential election stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it was pretty much just hooked up to, well, back in the day, a VCR, and then eventually a DVD player for censored movies, which we'll do a whole episode someday about entertainment options. We did have radio, but we were really only allowed to listen to like the emergency. We we knew when there was a tornado. We knew that. I know they mentioned in Shiny Happy People that the Duggars were so disconnected, they didn't even know if there was mm-hmm. a natural disaster headed their way. We had Noah radio for that. So mm-hmm. I guess it's not really the radio. And we we could listen to some really conservative like political and Christian talk shows. Christian music was not allowed because it had a backbeat, <laughs> the offbeat, as Bill Gothard mm-hmm. would say, which was satanic. Uh so yeah, not really like we couldn't listen to country radio. When we got older, we had this radio slash CD player installed in the kitchen, like an under cabinet thing. Mm -hmm. It was very high tech. And we were only supposed to listen to like this one Christian radio station that played hymns and classical music, because those are the godliest forms of music. Mm -hmm. And my brother, see, I didn't do this because again, as we've discussed in previous episodes, like integrity to a fault. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were not allowed to listen to country music, but my younger brothers liked it and they were all teenagers at that point. So my one brother got so good at turning the dial in one like flick of his wrist, he could get yeah. it to the country station. And then if he saw parents, like if Chris came back from running an errand in one flick, he could get it back to the approved station mm-hmm. and act like it never happened. Yeah. I remember being able to do that because that was back when the changing the station was like a a, a dial yeah and so you would spin it You'd and spin so it. you could you know time like oh i know exactly how much to spin this yes. instead of it being like the seek button that you would have now okay so this is how i handled that <laughs> <laughs> i i didn't listen to cult uh i only listened to cult approved music until i left for college and then my world kind of opened up a little bit more and I had an MP3 player. Ooh, so high tech back in the day. And I would listen to music while I went for a jog or a run. Mm-hmm. And the rule was no backbeats on the property. <laughs> so I would step off the driveway into like city property and turn my music on and then before i crossed the property line back into the driveway i would turn it off again and that so that's how i handled things like radio and music yes, following when it i to was a, older yeah following it to a t yeah that has not changed i still frequently ask her just random questions i'm like you didn't like bend it a little bit like just maybe bend the rules no follow it to a t <laughs> We must not well, be standing here. We have to stand over there. I will break there. rules, but first I will go to the person who made the rule, tell them why I think the rule is dumb, why I'm breaking it, and say I'm prepared to face the consequences of breaking it. That that does track. <laughs> Another thing they said right at the beginning, I, I think it was one of the other 
I think it was one of the guys, the guy that had got out of the cult. Mm. And I think he said the word abuse does not exist. Oh, yeah. No, we call it much gentler things. So this is a little later in the episode, but they talk about how the Duggars would not tolerate the word sexual abuse. It had to be, um, let me look at my notes here, molested or touched inappropriately. And that's that's how my family handled it. They would never say Andy sexually abused me. Mm-hmm. He had molested me or touched me inappropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get to that. That was later in the episode that that came up very specifically the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So another part of that I thought was interesting is as they're going through and, and talking about the kids, um, and they end up talking about Josh um, going with Jim Bob to the Capitol when Jim Bob was running for office in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually uh, Josh gets sent to DC. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting because your sister also. Well, there's no separation of church and state in the cult. Mm-hmm. The whole point is to take over the government. <laughs> of course. For Christ, Mm -hmm. so that we can have a country built on godly principles. The Mm -hmm. seven basic principles, if you will. (laughs) Swap the Constitution out for the seven basic principles. Let's just uh, make Bill a dictator next. Yeah, that was one of the highest ambitions of every male, in particular, in the cult, was to grow up and run for some sort of political office so that you could bring the basically the seven basic principles to the government and try to influence laws Mm -hmm. such that eventually the, the country's ideology became cult ideology. Right. Just a coup, I guess maybe (laughs) overthrow Uh, the government a little bit. So was it, was it out of character for your sister to go work in local government then? Like for a woman? Yeah. Yeah. That was... So the funny thing about Amy is I think she originally wanted to go into like computer programming or something. Amy, Mm. again, being the sister who is three years older than I am. I think she didn't like it or wasn't good at it. But the official story of why she dropped out of that program was the pastor of our local cult church told Rick that if Amy pursued that career path, she'd be taking a job away from a man. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So there were things women definitely should not do, but definitely. But but the hard thing was, ugh. Wouldn't that be all jobs? Like, Yeah, but you had to, the way Rick phrased it to his four daughters was, you can never expect that anyone will want to marry you, but also you have to be prepared to be a stay-at-home wife and a mother and a homemaker, but you need to have a plan because there is no guarantee anyone will want to marry you. That's not a right you have. So it was this very mixed messaging around mm-hmm. like, you better be able to provide for yourself, but also your highest calling is to be a wife and a stay-at-home mother, baking bread. So was that just scare tactics mixed with the ideology? I think it was just stupidity. (laughs) I don't think they actually (laughs) knew what they wanted from women other than subservience. 
So they were like, well, what are we going to do with you? Because, like, we don't want to pay for you, so you're going to have to pay for your own life. But, like, don't do anything too big or impressive. Definitely don't do anything that's traditionally male because you would take a job from a man. So I think what Amy did was she was some sort of assistant to a woman at the Capitol building. Because, Mm. you know... That was appropriate. She was an assistant. She was a secretary. Well, I'm sure she She definitely wasn't allowed to work for men. I think I remember hearing you say that. After she got married, I think that was her husband. Oh, that's right. Uh, His, oh my gosh. His church picked her wedding dress. That's how much control there was there. Wow. Yeah, because it, you know, to make sure it was modest enough. (laughs) She had to have it, like, custom Did she even get to, like, pick some options? I don't know. I don't know. I was on my way out of the family at that point. Mm -hmm. I was gearing up to report Andy, and I was distancing myself. So I don't know. I just remember her saying that his church picked the dress or, Mm -hmm. like, told her the parameters the dress had to have. So that's how much control... The church slash her husband, like I said, Brian, I think, in a previous episode, had over her. And when they got married, she had to quit her job because as a married woman, she couldn't work with men. So, yeah, she left her job at the Capitol. I don't know. I think it might have evolved from her initial job, which I believe was some sort of assistant or secretary to a woman. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it ended up. But, yeah, no, she was doing the right thing, you know, bringing the the principles of IBLP to the Capitol. I think the next part, because the episode ramped up pretty quick going through the backstory and then kind of immediately jumped into the scandal with Josh. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was some interesting correlations there <laughs> after. I mean, we're, so we're coming off the episode where we talk about what your brother did to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and now watching this episode again, or the shiny happy people episode mm-hmm. um, and picking up on some of the details. So he started what they said is he started inappropriately touching his sisters and other girls at 12 over their clothes, over their clothes. Mm-hmm. And that he was a very charismatic personality. Mm-hmm. Did you catch the part about how he assaulted them in their sleep? Yeah. And they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And and then Jim Bob even said, well, like, they didn't even know. Yeah. And so coming off of hearing you tell your story. Yeah. Like, that is, like, almost 100% the same exact. Josh well, is the oldest boy, boy in the family. Yeah. He started at the same time. He has the same personality based off of your descriptions in, in previous episodes of your brother. Yeah, even, and like, then, being a musician of sorts. Yeah, and, and then... They actually look pretty similar. They both started balding in their teens. Andy thought that was punishment from God for what he had done. (laughs) That would be a minor punishment. So I just thought it was interesting. Like, there's a strong overlap. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, Jim Bob saying, well, they, they won't know. I... As an adult, I was told Rick and Chris thought I would just forget about it. If they didn't talk about it. And I I find that to be hilariously stupid. Like I'm going to forget. Right. Being raped a couple of times. And strangled. Mm -hmm. And threatened. And yeah. Yeah, It's kind of amazing how their mentality. And like, do they actually believe that? Or are they just like that twisted? Or both? Or like, do they really just think, oh, you know, like my daughter just got 
touched inappropriately or raped in like, ah, they'll forget about it. Like, is that literally what's going on in their head? I it's think it's crazy. possible that there's, well, okay, let's, let's back this up even more. To join a cult, you have to be like in a lot of denial mm-hmm. about reality. So you take that and you apply it to just about any situation. I think they were in a lot of denial about reality Mm -hmm. and it was, it was chosen denial. Like these are adults with fully formed brains making these, (laughs) depending on how old they were at the time. Well, but like in Jim and Michelle Duggar's case and my bio parents case, like these were men and women in their Mm thirties as this is going down. Like they're, they have fully formed brains and I think that just part of the whole, if you buy into one human being, the way Jim, Bob, Michelle, and my bio parents bought into Bill Gothard, my guess, because I never bought in the way they did, but my guess, having grown up in that environment, is that you are very weak-minded. Mm-hmm. You are very easily manipulated and led astray, and then you have enough... Mm, invested in this whole ideology, this whole lifestyle that you're going to just bury your head in the sand, draw that line, die on Mm -hmm. it. Because if you, if you allow one thing to be real, then what does that do to the rest of your house? The whole thing crumbles. Mm -hmm. So you have to stay in denial and you cannot acknowledge reality in any aspect of your life. Or like you said, Kyle, the whole thing just falls apart. Yeah. So I think that's where that comes from. So going off of that, I think one of the next things that was mentioned was that, and I forget how many kids they had had at this point, but someone mentioned that their the the grandparents weren't <laughs> didn't agree with the yes. number of pregnancies that were happening. Yes. Um, so I was curious, like, did your grandparents, because your oh, grandparents aren't they in the cult. cult. All of the relatives thought Rick and Chris were insane. Okay. And they, I took a note about this. And you guys, so they only had eight, only We only eight, had eight, like I but, said in the first episode, <laughs> marginally holy. Right. <laughs> uh, Which is still a lot. It's a lot. Unless you're like, you know, in older generations where that was more popular. So but. on my biological father's side of the family, his sister had one daughter. His brother had three kids, mm-hmm. two boys and a girl. Max size on the paternal side of the extended family, three kids for my dad's generation. My my biological mother's generation, her older sister had two boys. She had eight kids. And one of her younger brothers has three children, mm-hmm. two boys and a girl. So, again, both generations – Max number of children, three. Yeah. We had eight. Yeah. So I think my my grandma and my aunt were very concerned about the toll it was taking on Chris. I think my I remember my my biological mom's dad, so Papa, the Italian who'd get mad if he didn't eat thirds of everything he made. He was very worried about the financial implications. And I've talked in previous episodes about how much we struggled financially. I don't think it was because Rick had a bad job. I think he had a fairly decent job. He worked for some pretty big, well-known companies like UPS. And mm. um, 
I think he retired from UPS. So I don't think he had a bad job. I think that it was just insufficient to feed and clothe 10 people appropriately. And so I know my, my grandpa would get really mad about that from like a provider standpoint. So anytime Rick and Chris would announce we're having another kid, they would say the same thing as, you know, the Duggars extended family. Oh, another one. And Rick and Chris had a line. They would always say, well, which one do you want us to get rid of? (laughs) (laughs) And that usually shut people up because... So let's say that's a good that was a good segue into the next thing I had written down. Okay. Is and I forgot about this until I saw it on the TV, but the whole kids eat free thing. <laughs> and they talked about like they would, you know, the Duggars would end up going to these restaurants. It was like kids eat free on Tuesdays or whatever mm-hmm. and just like clean the house out. Um, did you guys ever do that with eight kids? I don't I don't know what we didn't eat out a whole lot. Okay. We would go to Shoney's sometimes. Do you know what that is? Uh, no. it, it was like a buffet style mm-hmm. restaurant. So maybe they had a deal for mm-hmm. kids. So that was one thing I remember. And then um, for a while in the 90s after church, we would stop by Dairy Queen and get dilly bars mm-hmm. on the way home. Mm-hmm. And that was about the extent of eating out. Okay. I think like. Now and then we'd get burgers at McDonald's, but that was like a really big treat. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like feeding that many kids, like even if you're taking them to McDonald's, Mm -hmm. it adds up. Yeah. We used to get the Taste of Home magazines and they would Mm -hmm. have a budget portion in there where you could like feed people for 79 cents a plate or, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. And a lot of our meals were based on that. And it was funny because... I forget which episode, if it was one or two of Shiny Happy People, they showed them making the tater tot casserole and mm-hmm. stuff. And I mean, that that was very familiar. We use tater tots a lot. Like, what can you buy bulk cheap right? and just mix it with some other stuff and call it a meal? So, I mean, you're Italian anyway, or part Italian anyways. Like, mm-hmm. did you guys have a lot of pasta? Because that oh, is yeah. usually something you can make a lot for cheap. Yeah. Yeah. We had pasta probably once a week. We made homemade pizza every Friday night, like huge sheet pans of pizza. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, Papa taught us his special pasta sauce recipe. So we would make that a lot growing up. So another one of the scenes that comes up after this, when again, I forget who mentioned it. It was one of the outsiders or one of the ex IBL pe- people. They mentioned or said something along the lines of like, kids aren't allowed to argue and the parents never fight. (laughs) But later on in the episode, you see other, some of the other outsiders comment, like I think it was Michelle's sister. I think. Oh, Um, the aunt. I think it was Jim Bob's sister. Oh, Jim Bob's sister said like, I've, you know, back in the day, like she had a temper. Like I would hear her raise her voice, or she said oh, something. I think she along. said she was a cheerleader. Or she could yell. Yeah, she could yeah. yell. And but like it, throughout a the whole simpering sweet, right? And so, uh, so between the comment of like Michelle can be a noisy person, mm-hmm. but the through the entirety of the show, and you know, this is just the shiny happy people. I've seen parts of the you know nineteen kids and counting or whatever, like over the years. But like her demeanor is exactly the same. She's like, she talks the same way. There's no inflection in her voice. Like she talks 
very sweet, I guess is the best way of putting it. Yeah. But do the parents really never argue? <laughs> I mean, I can't speak for them since mm -hmm. I didn't grow up in their home, but I can tell you what I observed in my home was there was a, a like public facing image mm -hmm. and a private facing image. And the Rick and Chris of the public facing image were just so sweet and oh, just cared so much about the Lord. <laughs> and Chris, it would drive me nuts because one of my core values is authenticity, and I've kind of always had that problem. I like it about myself, but she, I would dread any time people came over because. The true Chris. The, the mask got put oh, on. Oh, yeah. The true Chris would go into hiding. And the prayerful, sweet <laughs> Chris would come out. And she would just be so earnest about the Lord. And I, I keep saying that because she didn't usually call him God or Jesus. It was the Lord. And her the way she talked would change. Her tone of voice mm -hmm. would change. It was that simpering sweet thing that you heard Michelle Duggar do. Mm -hmm. And Rick, Rick was the same. He wasn't quite as bad, but he also would would definitely have his, mm, yes, demeanor of spiritual headship. And then everyone would leave and Chris would be screaming cuss words and beating us and Rick mm -hmm. would be yelling and hollering and it, it was it was all a farce. When I got older, I started calling it the plastics. That was their <laughs> that was their public facing image. It was just very plastic and fake, and Which it was very effective. Yeah, and I think that's where the name of the shiny happy people came from. I think yeah. it's the same plastic. Yeah, um, yeah idea. it was very effective. People thought we were the best family. So loving, so sweet to each other. The kids got along, and nobody. And blah blah blah. Like so, was that the so? Looking at the kids now, because yeah. in the show the same way, you don't ever see them yelling or stealing toys from each other and like fighting and hitting each other. Like, were you guys like that? Like, did in you guys? Public, well, we were great, but at home, like, oh my was gosh. it still normal my, kids? Um, my three younger brothers would hit me so bad, like in the stomach. Rick had to pull them aside. And, and tell them, like, she won't be able to get pregnant when she's older if you don't stop hitting her in the stomach. Jeez. So I got beat up. I got stabbed. I think I still have, like, the marks. One of my brothers stabbed me up with a pencil. Mm -hmm. I My younger brothers drew knives on me, like big kitchen knives. Mm -hmm. Um and I, I definitely lost my temper at them a few times when I could not get them under control. And I like I think the worst thing I ever did as an older sister was I pulled one of my brother's hair so hard that he like went limp and stopped hitting. <laughs> and I still feel bad about that. I apologize to him, of course. Yeah. But yeah, no, like the boys, I think they were typical little boys, like mm -hmm. three of them two years apart with like the added stress induced bad behavior of growing up in an abusive home yeah i mean it in cult or no cult like kids are you know as they grow up they're still developing these systems and, yeah. and controls to even be able to control their anger or control mm -hmm. their emotions and 
like so that's i you know when i think kids are being kids like they're acting in a way that they're actually mentally capable of yeah. doing and so it's it's weird to see on the tv or you know on the show where they're like these kids aren't doing typical kid things that are like right. really well behaved and so right. i was curious like are they that indoctrinated and and well in control you, you, that they can't <laughs> they can actually behave that way you all the time or the punishment was if you didn't oh well we can we can get there and I would say that the girls in my family were probably better at, you know, that image of perfection, the perfect behavior than the boys were, but girls mature faster. And right. Like, I, I really don't like who my younger brothers grew up to be as an, as adults. I don't like them. <laughs> the, the children they were, I, I loved them tremendously and I have a lot of compassion for them and even their bad behavior looking back. I mean, we were all in such a bad spot with Chris and her abusiveness. Mm -hmm. And I still, I still personally don't buy that I was the only victim. And I also don't buy that Andy was the only perpetrator. Well, I mean, this is probably later or maybe reiterated multiple times throughout the episodes, but those, the other XL, IBLP people that were on the show, the Duggar, like the shiny happy people. The yeah, like they I mean. were on the shiny happy people show. Like they were also saying that you know, sexual abuse and, mm-hmm. and domestic violence is like just rampant throughout the whole cult. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, there's just more data points there that like you know, there's these other people that are from different parts of the country, still part mm-hmm. of the cult, mm-hmm. still experiencing the same issues that are just being swept under the rug and hidden and you never see or hear yeah. about that stuff. You just see these extremely well-behaved, happy families on, you know, in public. Yeah. But behind the scenes, there's some serious things happening. So here's something that's interesting. A lot of people think sexual assault is about sex. It's not. It's about power and control. Mm-hmm. And when you look at cults, what are they about? power and control. And I don't remember if it was the first or second episode, but one of the interviewees in the documentary, the shiny happy people documentary mentions that basically Bill was a cult leader. And then every father in every home was a cult leader. So that, that issue of this, you know, hunger for power and control definitely filtered down from Bill into individual cult homes and, no wonder they were rampant with abuse. Power and control drives abuse. So I'm not I'm not surprised to find out mm-hmm. that so many of us in the cult grew up in just incredibly physically and sexually abusive, verbally, emotionally, spiritually abusive homes. Yeah. And I'll admit, like, you know, before meeting you, I didn't wasn't aware that like sexual crimes like that were not sexually motivated mm-hmm. to me it just like without oh, they hearing keep it in their pants or That's I mean, what a lot of people well think. i mean yeah. something along those lines but just without any further information or any education on that you just assume a sexual crime is sexually motivated um but that's not the case so i i mean I don't know if that's a common well you're saying it's a common misconception that yeah it's, it is yeah. Sexually motivated, but it's not. So um so the next thing we see, there's a scene of the 
or in IBLP conference, <laughs> 1988. <laughs> yeah. And the only thing I really want to touch on there, unless you have anything else on there, is we see alert mm-hmm. on the stage. So from one of the previous, I forget which one of our episodes uh, we talked about or mentioned alert, which is their their security pseudo military yeah. branch. Yeah. So you'll see them on the stage during during that cutscene. Yeah, I mean they're they're dressed up all in the same uniform. Marching, carrying marching, flags. Yeah. So they march horribly, by the way. <laughs> As a veteran of the United States military, I can tell you they march worse than cot graduates. And anyone who's a vet <laughs> will know what I mean. Everyone else just know that that's a, a portion of officers in the military who uh, go to a very, very short basic training because they're already lawyers and doctors and and chaplains. And they get, like, finishing school, and we all make fun of them mm-hmm. because they cannot march for shit. Yeah. So they, they were worse like- than caught, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to point that out because they didn't mention it in Shiny Happy People. They just had a cut scene at the conference where you see Alert up on the stage doing their little routine. Yeah. Um, but there was no actual mention of it. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to point that out that that's what that and was. I, I don't know if we've talked about this, but the clip of the young boys in khakis and hunter green polos, that's pre-alert, which they oh, would okay. do with the the boys, like mm-hmm. the young boys at the annual Knoxville conference. Okay. I didn't know that. Hmm. So after that, there was mention of the prosperity gospel. <laughs> Everything is blessings and curses. Every last thing. Oh, I'm still rooting that out of my reflexive thinking. So what is, what are they referencing? Oh gosh. Okay. If you are in the center of God's will, Kyle, the center not just God's will, the center of God's will. Mm-hmm. You will be blessed and Satan will not be able to get to you. Is this like in tandem with the whole umbrella of yes. protection? So, thing? so, we'll get, so. Which we'll get to. Yeah. But, and then if, if you're ever outside, you know, the center of God's will or your authority structure, then uh, be on the lookout for curses because they're a coming. <laughs> along with Satan's fiery darts. So is there anything I've missed so far that you want to cover before we keep going on, on my questions? Oh gosh. Let me look at that. I feel like so far we've only covered probably like the first five minutes of the episode. If I remember oh, the timeline man. correctly. Well, let me throw in a couple things that were earlier on okay. in the episode. There's this little clip of one of the young Duggar girls Talking about instant obedience. Ugh. We all had to learn instant obedience and the definition of it. Oh my gosh, I could probably. It's like instantly attending something, something, something and instantly attending to their words. Oh my gosh, I even remember like the syncopation <laughs> of how we had to learn it. But I don't know if Chris got this from the cult or if she made it up, but she decided to call it instant oatmeal obedience. And I remember. Oh my gosh. You can hear me throw in my pen. I thought it was the dumbest shit I had ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I was young. Like, 
I think I had two younger brothers at least at the time. So that would have made me, let's say they were two, like I would have been like six, seven, eight, somewhere in there. And I remember sitting on the living room floor on a blanket. We were probably blanket training, which I know we've had a question about, and we'll get to that in the, in the discipline episode. Oh man. But Chris was like, she would make us do the dumbest hand moment, hand movements. Like we had to stick our neck out and put our cup, our hand behind our ear to demonstrate that we were listening. And then, (laughs) and then we had, she'd be like, Amanda. And I'd have to be like, yes, mom, with my like head stuck out and my hand cup behind my ear to demonstrate that I was listening attentively to her words. That's what it was. Listening attentively to her words. And, (laughs) oh, and I just remember having to sit there and clap and be like, instant oatmeal. Oh, obedience and thinking this is the dumbest thing i am so embarrassed why are we doing this (laughs) who thought this was a good idea but yeah so i just i i had a really lovely beautiful um meaningful flashback with instant obedience and then the (laughs) other thing that came up early oh my gosh in the episode when michelle was like i wasn't like jim bob i was mixed up in the boyfriend girlfriend world which was the worst thing you could do in the cult. Like you I'm couldn't just... have a boyfriend or a girlfriend because that meant you were dating and we couldn't date. We had to court and courting was for the intention of marriage, not to be flippant or any, Oh my gosh. So anyone, and they were all so ashamed of it. And it was like oh, part of their testimony for walking away from the secular world toward Bill Gothard and his truth was leaving the boyfriend girlfriend world behind god forbid and yeah just like a lot of shame if they ever dated before finding the person they married <laughs> so uh, I, you're 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 pretty good at impersonations just in general <laughs> but just the way you're you can almost like verbatim say all of michelle's stuff in the same exact time. Well, that's what i'm getting I at it's like your your mom had to have like spoke the same way because it's and all the women well okay so yeah like all the women had to have talked like that because you can you can i can turn it on y'all if i ever started a cult it would be (laughs) the most successful cult i know everything about how cults work and how to talk in a cult so if i ever join a cult or if i ever start a cult don't join it but um, <laughs> <laughs> it would be a really good cult. It would be a very effective cult. <laughs> um, and then something else that Michelle and Jim Bob talk about is how, you know, birth control is this evil that causes miscarriages and abortion. Y'all, I grew up with the fear of God about birth control. It was the most evil, heinous thing that had ever happened of any, to the world. Of any kind or just like the well, pill? Specifically the pill, okay. which was, you know, designed by Satan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just like their horror over the the miscarriage they had. And, and that was something I found out later. Like, I think it's one in three pregnancies just miscarries. Mm-hmm. And that's tragic. And, it's hard. and I had one. The only pregnancy I ever had was a miscarriage in my first marriage. And I know how traumatic they are. And I still, I still grieve that. But just the way any miscarriage was linked to like a curse right. of some sort. Not just like, hey, you know what? It's tragic. It's so sad. But sometimes 
like one in three pregnancies just don't make it. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's love you. Let's grieve with you. Let's take care of you. But no, it was a curse. Yeah. And so and we don't have to stick on this cause I know this is still hard for you, but you still have some of those tendencies where you think like something bad happened. So oh, yeah. it's a curse and I did something wrong. Oh yeah. Like it's like a karma type we should thing. do a an episode on blessings and curses. That was that was really drilled into me mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, <laughs> we'll do an episode on the the sermon series about how rape is the victim's fault and stuff. Freaking Chris said to me when I you know went off to college and mm-hmm. I I was assaulted on the street um, a couple different times in Chicago just walking in broad daylight in a group of people mm-hmm. and. The, the way Rick and Chris responded to that. But yes, like I, I feel like it's wrapped up in my DNA and I'm, I'm still working very hard to extricate that belief mm-hmm. that, you know, anything bad that happens is yeah. like, oh, I brought that upon right. myself somehow. Cause that's I, so mm-hmm. deeply tied into cult ideology. Yeah. There's no chance for it to have just been chance like yeah it's, it's you did something yes. caused this yes that was like god's judgment visited upon you yeah. for some sin you committed so playing off of the prosperity gospel mm-hmm. and i know you've mentioned the umbrella of protection <laughs> so i've also heard umbrella of authority are those the same They're thing the same. okay yeah you can use those interchangeably okay now, that was confusing because I kept hearing both, but they were showing the same graphic where yeah. it's like, you know. You are protected when you are under your umbrella of authority. Mm-hmm. You are protected from Satan's fiery darts and satanic influence. So in the diagrams that they were showing, yes. it was like God and then the husband, then and, the the husband and the wife and the kids. Yeah. But somebody mentioned in there that it was. God and then Bill. And then the pastor. Okay. Your local pastor. And then the husband and the wife and the children. So was it actually taught that way? Or like what was the actual I don't know how that evolved into it because I've never seen a well, I maybe saw a graphic with, with pastor in there. Okay. But it was you know even in the clips of Bill talking, ugh, he creeps me out even in those video clips. He's creepy looking. Like he, even when you, he like, dyed when you, his hair. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, you, even in the photos of him, you know, to this day, he still has his you know, jet black hair. Cause mm-hmm. he dyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, just the way, like, you know, try not to judge people by how they look, but like the way he talks and the way he looks, it the just, vibe he gives off. the vibe he gives off is just very like, like he's raping young women behind the scenes. Yeah, probably lots of yeah. stuff. There's just a lot of like his vibe is very red flag. Yeah, you know. But I think I think where that like the whole God Bill in the chain of command thing came from is if you notice in those clips, he's always like, "We have the answer for everything," and it wasn't uh, yeah. we; it was I. Bill had the answer for everything. I remember him saying, "Yeah." That, yeah. So. I think that just was sort of inferred over time. Okay. And that's how it was spoken of in the cult. Like, well, I think I mentioned in previous episodes, like, well, God speaks through Mr. Gothard. Mm -hmm. So he, I'm guessing it was not, it was something where he wasn't, 
he wasn't formally putting that in the documentation or the teachings, but he was... He expected it he of was his ex- followers. Yeah, he was trying to do that, like... Yeah, there was the subtext. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What else do I have from early? Oh, this just made me laugh. Um, when the cousin was talking about how girls had to wear pantaloons mm-hmm. under their skirts, I still remember like when I got old enough that I had to start wearing shorts under all my dresses and skirts. Did you have to wear pantaloons? No, we were like biker shorts. Okay. Like long to the knee Which I think that was shorts. pretty normal. Like I, I It was so uncomfortable. You yeah, had but I three layers on. Yeah. I yeah, I'm not, I <laughs> I never did that so I can't attest to that. I know non-cult but, kids right. like even do that too, but that was that just made me laugh because mm-hmm. that was very much a thing and then the little boy talking about the cousin well she isn't the same as us but we still like her like the condescension of a little boy about his much older female cousin that was that was life in the cult we would say the same thing about our cousins and boys even my younger brothers condescended to me because they were male Mm -hmm. so they were better i am six years older than my youngest brother i have way more life experience education all the things Anything I say to him, he's just going to be like, nah, but she's a, she's a woman. At least, you know, last time I talked with him, Mm -hmm. which was a while ago, they just, it's baked into how they are raised that even if they are much younger than the female, they are still an authority to the female. They are still better than the female. So yeah, that was something of note to me. And then we talked about the separation of church and state not existing Okay, what have you got next? Because so this is this is one, and this could probably be a whole other episode. Oh, no. So I'll let you decide whether <laughs> how deep to go with this one. Oh, okay. Let me take a drink. <laughs> so the next thing I have down in order here is the blessings of God in the whole quiver full. Different episode. <laughs> needs to be its own and um since we'll have social media up i will post this lovely collage i made of uh photos of us as kids with rick shooting bows and arrows and i i wrote like that whole verse through the collage as arrows in the hands of a mighty man so are children to their father and there was so much pressure to be a good arrow and fly straight so much pressure. <laughs> like, did you ever spend your childhood waking up and wondering if you were a good arrow? No. Did that I ever mean, even occur to you? Well, we did archery and Boy Scouts, so but it was like, phys- you know, <laughs> it's actually archery, not a metaphorical version of it. Gosh, there was so much pressure to not, like, disappoint your father as an adult when you were launched as an arrow into the world for Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, one of my favorite parts of the whole show... Is the the husband to one of the ex IBLP ladies, uh-huh. and his reaction to the things she is saying because they're both being being interviewed on the show on Shiny Happy People. Oh, the cousin was it her husband? I think so. Okay, so she wasn't part of the cult, but yeah, her husband, and she's yeah. just like, Shush. <laughs> <No>. yeah. <laughs> but his reaction to everything is exactly like. How you feel? Uh, it's it's almost exactly the same things I say when you tell me things, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, really? Or <laughs> like, you know, his reactions are like very much the same reactions that I have. Um, so I I found that funny. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the, I think the next thing that happens in episode one is we see Michelle giving birth to the 20th kid. Oh, not... Well, it's the 20th. It's the, the mis- Well, she, she miscarries yeah. the 20th. Yeah. And what was interesting was just how much it seemed it didn't affect her. Like yeah. when they told her, and I don't know if this is because they recorded it later or, you know, if it she was just. She almost looked relieved to me. Like, right, oh, but, I don't have to give birth again. Yeah. Like their, their reactions were very muted. I guess mm-hmm. I would, is the best way to put it. And I, I was just. I don't it's know. It's still a, you know, she's still giving birth to a kid and it's going to be her kid. And it, like, it just didn't seem to phase them a whole lot. And I thought that was interesting. And I didn't know if that was just because they've had so many at that point that it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, you know, number 20, like, it's just another one, another drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. Or if there was some other like emotional. I'm wondering if she was sitting there going, what have I done to bring this curse on myself? Or or that. (laughs) I don't know. Like miscarriages were considered like they were very traumatic Mm -hmm. in the cult. My bio mom had a couple of them and it was like the whole family wept sort of scenario, which is fine. Like that's appropriate. It's a, it's, it's worth grieving. Um, but yeah, I, I, Saw that scene and I registered it two different ways. One was, oh my gosh, she looks relieved and like, no wonder, poor woman. Well, not really. I don't, I don't think she's a good person, but like she's lost a baby. So poor woman. Um, And then my other thought was like, I wonder if she's sitting there like running a checklist analysis of what she must have done to cause the, yeah, cause the curse of a miscarriage. So there's a lot of dynamics that could possibly be happening there, but you can see it in her face yeah. that like there's something behind her reaction. Her reaction. So yeah. That was interesting. It was interesting. Um so I think you fast forward a little bit. Okay. And you start seeing all these mothers walking up on stage with their the babies. Reversal babies that we have <laughs> talked about. Oh so I just wanted to call that out. I don't I think we've talked about that before, but the yeah. reversal babies, which for people who don't remember, or if we didn't touch on it too much, like those are women or couples that had some sort of like a tubal ligation or a vasectomy. Yep. So that they couldn't have kids. And then the cult convinces them that yeah, that's a horrible idea. And, the cult. and then they have, they reverse their surgery and then get mm-hmm. pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they like they hike them all up on stage and the they celebrate them. In Knoxville every year, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's what that was. And I'll throw in there that all of those snippets of the big conferences from like the '90s on, I guarantee you, I'm one of the faces in the crowd somewhere, mm-hmm. and my bio family's in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the it will be worth it all him that we always did the huge production of at the annual conference, like guarantee I'm singing in one of those clips. So it was weird. Like it's always weird to see those clips and know that I was probably there. Yeah. My family was probably there. Yeah. I think if we paused the show and, and looked at some of the still shots, we could maybe see you in there somewhere. Probably. So I think after that, we start get they the in the episode they go back to the scandal with Josh. Yeah, and they start talking. I think this is what the scene where um, Jim Bob's 
sister and brother-in-law start talking about oh the holtz yeah the friends yeah which you have a story about that um (laughs) so let me you, you can tie that in here in a second but i think they were the ones talking about well jim bob was just gonna like sweep the whole josh thing under the rug and the Josh Holtz, was dating Kaylee, their daughter. Right. And and the Holtz were like, you know, the guy, I forget what his name was. He was just like, you can't know. Like, you can't just mm-hmm. ignore this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jim Bob was just very nonchalant about the whole thing and didn't see why it was an issue to not bring it up. Mm-hmm. So I, I know the Holtz. I knew them. I knew Kaylee. <laughs> it was really weird to see them. Uh, they've been in my home. Oh, really? Oh, uh, yeah. And Which, that's far away, because they're in northwest well, they, Arkansas. I think they lived, um, either the whole family or the kids, like, lived on the compound, the headquarters compound for a while and became friends with my oldest siblings. Mm -hmm. So they would like, a really common thing was for Andrea and Andy to bring their friends back for the weekend. Mm -hmm. And then we'd, you know, all hang out and play ultimate Frisbee and ankle length skirts, which let me tell you, I do not recommend. And so I, I got to know a lot of cult people that way. So like, I, I definitely like knew Kaylee and some of the other Holt people and they were in our home and what, (laughs) what they said about how um, Jim, Bob and Michelle had told Josh not to tell Kaylee, but instead confess it to her after marriage. That was the exact same protocol that Rick and Chris gave Andy when he was dating. And um, I guess now is a good time to mention there's another family in there. They're not named. You just see them in passing. Uh, They're the Kimbros and Andy was engaged to their oldest daughter. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) And he didn't tell her. She was shocked. I told her later. So she called off the engagement. Like, thank God. She just had something in her heart that was like, something's not right. Something's not right. So she called off the engagement. So you're talking about your brother wasn't telling her about what he had done, what he had done to you. Correct. Okay. Okay. So this was same deal. He like if he was going to tell her, it was going to be confessed to her after marriage. Jeez, like that's that's super shitty. Yeah, that is so bad. And I'm really glad she didn't marry my brother. I'm yeah. really, really, really glad. But yeah, they uh, Andy dated another or courted courted. Excuse me, <laughs> another young woman in the cult, and she broke up with him too. Like she also just had this like something's not right mm-hmm. thing. I think they courted twice, maybe even, I don't remember, but she called it off. And, you know, the whole family was just like so heartbroken for Andy because it's, it's a lot like Steve, you know, remember when Steve was, had his harem and his dad, mm-hmm. uh, Bill Gothard senior was like, let's just marry him off by June. Mm-hmm. That'll fix it. And then Jim Bob wanted to marry Josh off to Kaylee to fix the problem. And then I like, Rick and Chris were fine with Andy marrying these unassuming young women because it was going to, like, fix the problem. And, gosh, it just – it makes me so angry. Mm -hmm. So angry that, like, these poor young women were going to have this confessed to them after they were already trapped in a marriage because you can't get divorced in the cult. Mm -hmm. (sighs) 
Yeah. What so a thing are, to find out. Yeah. I mean, they're already brainwashed thinking, you know, you can't have sex before marriage. Like, you got to save everything, even your yeah. first kiss until after marriage. And then this dude just pulls a fast one on you after you're married. And like, hey, I rape little girls. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, now this woman's already like given up all of her, you know, she's waited and waited and waited. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the other ex-IBLP ladies on the show said the same thing. Like Mm -hmm. she had waited and waited and waited. And then she ended up with this relationship with this horrible guy. Mm -hmm. And then like, there's an extra layer of guilt and shame and like sorrow that like they've waited all this time. And then this is what they get. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of crazy. If in this same scene where they're still talking about, um, Josh's troubles, Mm -hmm. um, I think it was Jill the producers or, you know, on the show, they're asking Jill, like, well, I, I forget if they were asking, like, did she know about what was, ha-? well, she obviously did. Cause she was one of, one of the victims, but, um, she made a comment and she said, I wish nobody knew about that. Yeah. And I was curious what your take was on that. What I do believe very strongly is that a victim should, an adult victim should have control over their story and if or when they disclose mm-hmm. or how they disclose. That is, that's a fundamental belief um, that I have that I would love all of us to have. Then my next thing that I would love is for victims to have access to healing and supportive relationships, not just romantic, but just people in their life who support them healing. And then ideally, this isn't always going to happen, but ideally, then when they are ready, I would love it if if victims spoke up and reported and, you know, did all of that stuff. But I don't think we should ever – another very strong belief I have is that victims should never be forced to report mm-hmm. because you really need to be in a place where you can handle it. It is a brutal process. Mm-hmm. And if you report before you're ready and then you drop out as a witness the case, it, it actually makes everything worse because – in a lot of cases, they can't proceed without you as the primary witness successfully. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, the case ends up getting dismissed or like the charges get significantly reduced. And personal opinion is that that just kind of reinforces that, oh, well, you can sexually harm people and get away with it. So kind of a, a complex answer to your question, but I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something about it I don't like how she came at it. It didn't resonate with me that like she was coming at it from a place of, Hey, my story, my choice. Mm -hmm. It was more like, I want this whole thing covered up. Like it didn't happen, which I think is dangerous because silence and secrecy breed violence and abuse. And the only way to, to heal like as a society is to bring these horrible things into the light and acknowledge that they exist and that they're real. And um, one of the things that I think is, is a factor there is that there were multiple victims. And I think the average sex offender has over a hundred victims. So it's, it's a really big problem. Like one perpetrator is a really big problem. So I think that when when you know that there's more than one victim, like you actually know for sure, for sure that there's more than one victim. Um, as an adult, I think that there's a little more moral impetus 
to make sure it isn't covered up and hidden. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a messy situation. This might be a messy answer on my part. I might have a different opinion in two years. Currently where I stand is something about how she responded just didn't didn't land right with me. And hopefully I've explained it well. I, I have an enormous amount of compassion and empathy for her as a survivor of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that she should be in charge of her story and her narrative. But since it came out and since like she didn't have that choice, Mm -hmm. what I would love to see for her is healing to the point where she doesn't need it to be covered up. Yeah. And I, and I forget because we're getting, I think towards the end of this episode. And so I don't remember if it was in this episode or episode two of shiny, happy people, but you start seeing her flounder because on one hand, she did say something mm-hmm. about her brother. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, she had to like go on to this TV show and yes, and so that was so wrong. So there was a lot of manipulation. That never have happened. And to her. so she, I feel like that's what we were seeing is her torn between her being told from a family system perspective, like she needs to go like protect her brother. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, she's like, I'm a victim and I need to say something. And she did both. And so I feel like. That's what you she's were seeing. She's probably very, yeah, I agree She's, like, you. confused, and she's just, yeah. like, floundering between, like, what do I do? And I don't think, like, again, personal opinion, I don't think she was ready for the interview that they conducted on Shiny Happy People. Mm-hmm. You know how she says she regrets the, was it Megyn Kelly yeah. interview? I'm going to go on a limb here and guess, like, five, six years from now, she's not going to love the Shiny Happy People one either, because she will have hopefully grown and healed to mm-hmm. a point where she has... A strong stance yeah. that she can really like holistically get behind. Mm-hmm. So I don't think if you're hearing like angst in me, I think it's because I'm probably mad at the producers for putting her in that scenario because I think it sets victims and victim rights backwards when you interview people who are not ready for it, when you ask for opinions from victims who have not healed to the point yeah. where they have a strong stance that they can holistically get behind. Mm-hmm. So, which I mean, from a from a third party perspective, like they shouldn't be asking her those questions anyways. No, like that's something she should be divulging uh, when she feels comfortable yeah. doing it. And so, yeah, they were kind of and she her. was not okay in this documentary yeah. series. Like you can tell, she is not okay in mm-hmm. those interviews. She is she is like kind of cagey and defensive. She's she's over it. Like. Yeah. That was not a good situation to put her in. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm going to guess half a decade from now, she's going to be like, shit. <laughs> yeah, which is no- like, it's that's normal. reasonable it's normal. that like she's her, her opinion's going to change. Yeah. She's going to grow. Mine sure as heck did over Yeah, time. I mean, like as she gets therapy and stuff, I'm sure she'll get more comfortable with things. She'll probably yeah. say something different and recant yeah. on things she said in the past. And like, that's just going to. Because I used to, happen. I used to have a very strong opinion that I had to protect my brother because that is what I was taught. Mm-hmm. So I think, gosh, I probably went through something similar. It was just not verbalized because I wasn't <laughs> not interviewed television. for yeah a documentary and I wasn't allowed to talk about it to anyone. Mm-hmm. So I probably got to skate through that period a little more gracefully because there was no one to hear it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I do feel I feel horrible for her and her sisters and, and the other victims and 
they definitely should not have been put on that Megyn Kelly show mm-hmm. and they should not like when Jill said, I don't want to talk about this and shiny happy people, they should have dropped it. Yeah. Cause I don't, Again, and this is where, like, as an educator, I am going to have a strong opinion here that I think how she handled it probably set victims back. If you don't approach shiny, happy people with, like, a high level of education and understanding around sexual assault and the nuances and all of that. But I was looking at it from a very, you know, systems strategic approach, which, I don't know, you probably weren't. So did it, did the episode hit you differently? Did the interview with her hit you differently than it is? I mean, you could tell how uneasy she was with it, and you could tell the confusion that was happening there, and you could tell, like, she was being manipulated, and you could mm-hmm. tell she was struggling with all of that. So, like, her body language very much was indicative of, like, something's wrong here. Yeah. You know, I may not have understood the psychology behind it a hundred percent or like mm-hmm. what factors were driving that, but I could tell something was wrong. Let me sum it up this way. <clears throat> if you watch shiny, happy people, my ask of you is have compassion and empathy toward Jill. Jill is not a thought leader on sexual assault. She is still healing. Mm-hmm. So take everything she says with a grain of salt and that's okay. She does not need to be a thought leader right now. She was put in a horrible, horrible position. But I think that's kind of how I would encourage people to view that whole portion Mm -hmm. of the documentary and her interviews is have love and compassion and empathy toward her. Do not look to her as a thought leader on this topic. Yeah, that makes sense. And so something else, and I don't know if I touched on this earlier, but she is also number four (laughs) in the stack. (laughs) Yeah. And... She also doesn't behave like her sisters, mm-hmm. which is also very similar to you. Mm-hmm. So you're you're number four in the stack, mm-hmm. and but you she's were, the oldest girl, isn't she? Oh, that's a good question. I think she is. But so, you were saying, I was just it was interesting. Like just mm-hmm. throughout this whole episode, the correlations between the Duggar family and your family, yeah, and the sexual abuse that was happening, and the dynamics of the whole thing, the dynamics from the abuser, the dynamics from the parents, like it's almost exactly like you, they just copy pasted the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, it's very familiar watching it and, and going back to that Megan Kelly interview with it's Jill and Jessa, I think, I mean, that was heartbreaking to watch because the words coming out of their mouth were what I was trained to say. Mm-hmm. And when I showed up to therapy, that's what I knew how to say. So it oh, was. <laughs> but that was interesting. Yeah. It was very, I wouldn't say difficult to watch it as much as just interesting or curious mm-hmm. to kind of have that glimpse back almost of my own life. Mm-hmm. And just to see it from the outside. Yeah. And, and kind of celebrate the growth. Like, mm-hmm. well, it's happened in 17 years. And I've, I've moved very far away from that mentality for which I'm grateful. A lot of hard work, but yeah, it's weird to see it play out. Yeah. So I think the next part of the scene, which we've been on the same scene where they're talking about Josh's scandal again. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have anything else on that before we go to the next step? Um, No, I think we're good. So I think the next thing that happens is you hear about... So Josh confesses 
Mm-hmm. To the police, <laughs> Jim Bob's buddies with the sheriff or whoever it was, they wipe that whole thing under the table and never happens. And then Josh gets sent off to an IBLP facility, just like <laughs> Andy. So that's how Rick said when I confronted Rick and Chris as an adult mm-hmm. about not protecting me. They were like, well, we we sent him off to headquarters. So I think when he was like 16... Because that's how old he was, um, I think, at the time of the second disclosure. He uh, he started having to go and volunteer, mm-hmm. like, during the week, even though he was still in school. So they were like, well, we got him out of the house mm-hmm. a couple days a week. And, yeah, he would go do physical labor for the cold. I don't know if the people there knew why he was there or what he had done. If they did, they are complicit in covering up child sex assault. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just interesting that like, they think that, okay, well he's committed this egregious crime and we're just going to go send him to do some. But he didn't Kyle. Well, he just molested (laughs) or inappropriately touched someone. Yeah. They didn't know. Uh, But yeah, they just send him off to go, you know, sweep floors at the headquarters or, you know, whatever yep. camp. And like, Andy that's works in the warehouse. Yeah. Like, okay, that's punishment enough for he your crime. Is that how they it. view it? He got to get away and like go do something. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're a kid and you're Ugh. just like, oh, I'm going to ship you off to camp for the summer. It's like, okay, great. Yeah. I mean, they did have to work, I guess, but, you know. He had fun. Yeah. He liked it. It's just interesting that that was their form of punishment for yep. that type of crime. It's just like, yep. well, we're not really going to. And what did they call it? Like his reforming program or, or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. So what I'm wondering is if the cult like knew about all of this incest. And so if a parent called and they were like, we have a troubled teen. Mm-hmm. who did this thing. They were like, oh. we have a program. Oh, jeez. They'll work. <laughs> yeah, you know, in the warehouse or doing renovations mm-hmm. of the building or whatever. I, so I don't know, but I'm wondering how many people are complicit in covering up my rape Yeah, as a child. And then, you know, then he gets pulled back home, apparently, <laughs> for Jim Bob's birthday. For it's the a, like TV special, right? Right. And so, like... I don't know. They didn't say how long Josh was actually at the facility I don't know. doing stuff. Um, so I don't know if he was there for two weeks or two months or what. They didn't, yeah, they didn't say, they didn't but it was just interesting that, you know, they sent him there and then kind of pulled him back. And mm-hmm. there was no, there was no change that was apparently like, you know, he had been there for so long and he had apologized and he had, you know, went to the police and like, there was no actual closure there. He just, you know, you go away for a little bit until yeah. it dies down. Yeah. And then we just, so I can back forget. Home. Yeah. What did Michelle say? Oh, I don't need to talk to my son. I need to talk to my heavenly father. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the adult in the situation. And her child is committed this sex crime. And then she's just like, I don't need to talk to him. She's like, really? Like the thing that I I it must be the firstborn son thing and just like how the cult views men. But how could you pick this nearly grown ass man over your little baby girl mm-hmm. who just got sexually assaulted? I will never be able to get my brain around that. I will and, and the thing is, you know, I got older, I got out of the cult, and I saw parents who did it right. 
I saw parents who reported their kids asked for crimes they committed. Mm -hmm. And those kids are actually flourishing. Like they paid the consequences of their crime. They realized that they had fucked up uh, and they turned their lives around. And like the one who comes to mind, I think he's got a PhD from like a really great school. But his parents like reported his ass, took him to the police station, like let like said, arrest this person, my son. He has committed a crime mm-hmm. and like followed through on justice and accountability. And parents are so afraid of that. But my experience is I've seen it works. It rehabilitates them. And and these these kids, these young people can go on to live very successful lives. I just I will never understand you know, and we'll post some of these pictures eventually, but the pictures I have of Andy during the time he was raping me, people think he's my father. That's how much larger than me. That's how much like older and bigger he was. So you have this basically adult, mm-hmm. chargeable as an adult. And then you have this like tiny little child who's been sexually violated. Like how, how yeah. does that work? How does that work in some adult parent's brain where they're like, let's protect this grown-ass boy? Yeah, I mean, we don't have kids. I don't, I can't speak to it from that perspective. Just in general, I still don't have an answer. Like, I don't get... So I something we talked about before we got married was, Kyle, if we have a kid who commits a crime, I'm reporting is, their ass. Are you on board with me? Because this, like, we cannot proceed. She's not joking. That was very, I feel like, pretty early on in the... In the uh, dating phase she was like this is i need to make sure you're on board with this mm-hmm. so yeah it i i don't know i don't understand the need to be complicit in that and and hide it and this is going to be a shift of topics and i don't know how we got to this point in the in the show i don't remember um but there was lots of references to the ATI material being a pre-med pre-law <laughs> Uh, equivalent. Oh, that's so funny. So not having seen the materials and not having been through all the ATI what did course they say work. about the hands? They're made of non-living atoms. Oh, yes. There was something really like scientifically very off about that. Yes, there was. That's what it was. It was their hands were not made of atoms or something like that. I was like, that's. That's not what I learned in school. <laughs> yeah. But was there, I mean, was there even anything in the materials that was, would lead you to believe it was no. pre-med, pre-law? Gosh, no, no, no. Goodness, no. And I got a little butt hurt watching that because they showed like the newer versions of the wisdom booklets and they were in color. They had <laughs> she boring did. black and white. <laughs> she was pretty mad about pictures. that. We were sitting on the couch and she was like, it's in color. <laughs> Michelle, I couldn't do this without the wisdom booklets and ATI. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah. We're getting close to the end. Another funny quote that I was rolling on the couch laughing about oh, no. was <laughs> the one lady that was XIBLP saying, the, <laughs> yes. the creator of the Cabbage Patch dolls is a warlock. And that's how Bill Gothard <laughs> talked about it. He's a warlock. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> it was to She's that extreme. Funny. She is. She was funny. I couldn't tell if she was drunk, high, or that's just her sarcastic personality at this point. But she's a blast. Mm-hmm. I, you know, everyone they interviewed, I knew some of them, and I recognized some of them. Uh, 
but you know, some of them look very different now. And you know, every time one of them cussed or something, I was like, yes, go you. <laughs> Cause we could never do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, gosh, it's fun to see those interviews. It's also hard cause you can still see the trauma. Oh too. yeah. And some of them were, you could tell they were farther along in their recovery than others, mm-hmm. but they all had, I feel like made significant progress. I'm just so proud of them. Like that was so brave to show up for those interviews mm-hmm. on any spectrum yeah. of healing. I mean, the, on the spectrum. Of yeah. The, the one guy that was actually in the cult that is not in the cult now. He With was the just, goatee yeah. He was just guy. like, I'm literally excommunicated from my family just because I'm here now. Yeah. And then he was like, it's fine. Trauma laugh. (laughs) I was like, how many times in my life have I said it's fine with a trauma laugh? Uh, A lot. So I have one more question. I think that was the recap of the episode. Do you, okay. Yeah. Let's go through yours. I want to save this one for last. Okay. Let's see. We talked about, so I'm just going to comment on a bunch of stuff really fast. So it talked about the roles of women and the engine keeping the home afloat. And I just, you know, all of the women cleaning with the boys with their feet up on the couch, like those shots mm-hmm. from uh, 19 kids and counting. Very familiar. The girls did the housework and the boys played or rested or did whatever boys get to do. All of the loaves of homemade bread. I spent my whole freaking childhood grinding up wheat picking the dead grasshopper heads out of the wheat before I put it through the grinder and then making homemade bread. Oh my gosh. The creation museum. I've been there. The children's Institute, the quote about how one of the things they taught us was um, how to anticipate the spoken and unspoken wishes of those in authority. And just Bill, you can see his private agenda so clearly, knowing everything we know about him now. Like, of course he had to teach all of this so that his victims would do it. And I remember being a kid trying to, like, figure out. We were supposed to anticipate our parents' wishes. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about prosperity gospel and authority. Oh, about how there's no equal authority. Oh, yeah. Equal authority isn't of God. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. And yeah, he had a, that was one of those like cringy moments where I was like, okay, where is he going with this? <laughs> and how um, Satan can't get to you, Kyle, if you stay under the umbrella. Mm-hmm. Don't get any holes in that umbrella, Kyle. Lots of pressure. Do you feel any pressures, man? <laughs> Did you know you're an umbrella? And if you get holes in you, I will get attacked with Satan's fiery darts and any children we might have. <laughs> that feels like pressure. There we go. Um, this is just a funny one. We had to wear these horrible name badges in these like plastic cases at every conference. And I just have the name badges, send help, written in my notes. Those badges were so uncomfortable and they would like flip around and poke you. Side note. And then... Oh, the Holtz. <laughs> Talking about blessings and curses. Did you notice that? Like, even in passing, and I would say they've, like, the Holtz that they interviewed did seem like they moved on from some of the cult ideology, but they were talking about something with Josh, and they were like, oh, that wasn't a blessing. That was a curse. And I was like, okay, I'm not the only one who's still entrenched in this. Um, and then the last note I have is when 
in the episode Gothard Girls, we talk about the wicker chair photo mm-hmm. with Bill in the big wicker chair with all the women around him. Mm-hmm. That photo makes an appearance in the first episode. Yep. So look for that. Okay, that's it's pretty easy to spot. I think they blanked out the faces of all the girls, but they you did. see him sitting in that chair. It's like an old, you know, old blurry photo, but it's in there. Yep. So the last question I want to have to drink again, because you have a look on your face that's scaring me. <laughs> just closing this up, um, I just wanted to ask you what was going through your head and how did you feel whenever you saw Bill on the show? If you don't like cuss words, now's a great time to mute. Fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) Um, You know, it's so weird. Every time he came on the screen, I had this weird visceral reaction of, I must pay attention. And she was. She was like, I would look over at her and she was just like shooting darts at the TV with her eyes. Like she was glued. Well, you... Because that's what we had to do. Mm -hmm. Like, if he spoke, we listened. We had to. And, you know, he would come on in the little clips in the documentary, and I would catch myself doing that and be like, oh, my God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What is happening and why? And then I would kind of, like, snap out of it. I think because I haven't been exposed to all of that stuff in so long, like the videos and the clips of his teaching I can't, I must have like a muscle memory autopilot mm-hmm. situation. So trying to figure out how to toggle that off before it can turn on. Not that I would ever believe a word he says again, but it was very interesting to find myself like, I must pay attention. Mr. Rother is speaking. Well, he's so creepy. Yeah, that was, that was my experience watching it. All right. So I, th- think that's going to be it for this episode. We are going to continue watching Shiny Happy People ourselves, and we'll take some more notes. And the next couple episodes are going to be us continuing the review of Shiny Happy People. So take a look at it. It was on uh, Prime. It was on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. I think is where we were watching it. Um, but you've got fair warning. We'll be releasing new episodes every Monday. So the next few are going to be kind of a re- review of those. And you can be traumatized with us. <laughs> Watch them, send us questions and comments. We'd love to interact with you more on social media or through our website. Yep. I hope you guys enjoyed this. It's a little switch up in the format here. Um, but I think it's interesting. It's an interesting documentary. It's interesting to hear your perspective on it. Um, and Mine some or of the, the listeners. yours. Oh. <laughs> it's interesting to hear your perspective on it and you know some of the extra nuances that you can pick up on because you were you were there. I was there, sadly. So stay tuned. Uh watch the show, follow along with us, and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Cult I Left Behind. Until next time, don't join a cult. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe, and we will catch you on the next episode.